Holy Spirit, would you please use the Bible and for all I know, Star Trek, to help us understand you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I first saw that preview for the new Star Trek movie, it awakened my inner geek. I just had to see it. Because that's how previews work, right? They make you want to see the movie by showing you little bits of the movie. Although when I showed that clip to some younger folks on our staff this week, they said, who's James Kirk? <laughs> Star Trek is way before my time. Which made me feel old until I decided that the real problem was that they're culturally illiterate. So this spring we're going to be doing a sermon series called Previews of the Kingdom, where we will look at the way that Jesus' miracles give us previews of the kingdom of God. Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than anything else. It's his number one topic. Now that phrase, kingdom of God, can be kind of hard to define, but basically it's whenever things are being done God's way. And I've said before, it comes down to three R's. It's about restoration of you me, the poor, the oppressed, this planet, to what God intended. It's about reconciliation between us and God and us and each other, all of which brings rejoicing. And the kingdom of God won't fully be here until Jesus returns, but we get previews of it, moments of it, portions of it, right here and right now. Whenever we reconcile with an enemy, whenever we meet the needs of the poor, whenever we are intimately connected to God, Whenever we are freed from fear or shame or addictions, that's the kingdom of God happening right here, right now. And that is the point of Jesus' miracles. Jesus' miracles are previews of the kingdom of God. You know, we have a hard time with miracles because to us they often seem unfair, right? How come one person gets the miraculous healing and the other person doesn't? How come one person seems to always be in God's presence and hear God's voice talking to him and I seem to have a lousy cell phone connection? Why is that? Sort of like a Sunday school teacher I heard about who taught her class her favorite hymn, Oh, the Consecrated Cross I Bear. Next day she got a call from a concerned mother whose five-year-old daughter came home singing, Oh, the Constipated Cross I Bear. <laughs> Bad connection. Why does one person seem to hear God's voice and I don't? Why does another one person get a miracle and I don't? We're haunted by those questions because we don't understand the real purpose behind the miracles. We think they're to fix some problem. But that's not their purpose. Every person Jesus healed still had to deal with life's difficulties and still eventually died. And the miracles aren't about who God loves more either. He loves us all. The main point of the miracles was to give us a preview of what the kingdom of God is all about. Because, you see, it's not that some people get a miracle and others don't. We are all going to get God's kingdom miracle of a restored body that will never die and of, and of being freed from sin and bondage. All of us are going to get that. Some of that happens here and now, all of it when Jesus, Jesus returns. So today I want to walk through a story where Jesus gives us a glimpse of two things about the kingdom of God that we can experience in part here and fully when Jesus comes back. John chapter 9. You can follow in your Bibles or on the screen. As Jesus went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither, said Jesus. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now right now, here what Jesus is doing is he is refuting the theology of his day that said if you are suffering, it's because God's punishing you for your sins. Jesus says no. Now, 
Sometimes we do suffer for our sin or someone else's, right? The drunk driver who crashes the car and injures the child, right? That, that, that causes suffering to that person and to other people. But often our suffering is not our fault. It is just the result of living in a broken, fallen world. And it is never a sign that God doesn't love us, ever. So Jesus pushes the question of suffering aside and he says, look, the real issue here isn't whose fault. The real issue is this is a chance for God to show off. This is a chance for God's kingdom to come. So the story goes on and it says, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Gross. (laughs) And nobody knows why he spits. There are tons of theories about it. My favorite one is that he did it to tick off the religious leaders who thought that spitting was unclean and superstitious. And there's just something about Jesus wanting to make pastors mad that kind of makes me happy. I don't know why. (laughs) And then he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. And here, here we see one of the promises of God's kingdom. And that is the restoration of our bodies. If we know Jesus, we will get a new body that will never know suffering, pain, or death again. For sure after we die, but sometimes he gives us a preview of that by doing a miraculous healing right here, right now. Not always, but but even today, miraculous healings sometimes do happen, and I've told you those stories in the past. The kingdom of God is about our bodies being made new, which is good news. A while back, my son asked me to wrestle with him, and I was kind of tired, so I said, well, let me just rest for a minute, and and then I will. And he said, Daddy's old and broken. (laughs) But the kingdom of God means I'm going to get a new body, and when I do, I'm going to make him pay for that comment. (laughs) So then Jesus heals this guy, and right after he heals this guy, everybody in the story is super excited, right? Especially the religious leaders. Especially, I mean, the religious leaders, they are so excited. They say, this is awesome. We have just seen proof positive that our God is real and that our faith is true. This is amazing. That's what they said, right? Not so much. Oh, you know religious leaders very well, don't you? (laughs) Now, the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Whenever it says Jesus healed on the Sabbath, that's basically like the theme music in Jaws. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) He's in trouble now. Because making mud was considered work. And you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. So the religious leaders said, this man is not from God. Well, then they go after the healed guy and they say, tell us the truth. You weren't really blind, were you? In other words, you're faking it. And then when he says, well, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they hurled insults at him. And they said, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Well, isn't that interesting? The religious leaders here are mad because what they say they believe actually turned out to be true. And they're ticked off about it. I remember at a church I used to go to, a woman got miraculously healed of cancer and some folks got angry, said she made the story up to get attention. They were mad because what they said they believed actually was true. Because you see, if God is actually real, more than just a pleasant idea, well then that might mess with our comfort zone, might it? And so it's just kind of easier to put him back in the box. If God becomes very real in your life, beware, because someone's not going to like it. So in response, the religious leaders, who don't like the fact that he was healed, the religious leaders decide to kick this man out of their little religious club, which they thought of as a punishment. Although you can 
kind of see this guy going, ooh, kick me out of your judgmental religious clique. Ooh, I'm afraid now, right? And then Jesus does the real kingdom miracle. And this is the miracle that all of us can experience right here, right now. It says that Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And that phrase, Son of Man, is basically Jesus claiming to be Savior and God. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, He's the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You see, there were two things broken in this man's life. One was his body, and the other was his relationship with God. He had been told from the day he was born that he was blind because God was mad at him. And then when he did get healed, the religious folk all shamed him, said, you're faking it, or you're following a demon. Right? So this guy's relationship with God is broken every way till Tuesday. And Jesus heals it. And this miracle, guys, this is the miracle that is for all of us. Right here, right now, right today. All of us. Because all of us, for one reason or another, have some kind of broken relationship with God. Some of us aren't even sure that He exists. Some of us maybe are mad at Him for something or think He's mad at us. Some of us are running away from Him, living life our own way. Some of us just have a hard time connecting to Him and feeling that He's real. But the miracle Jesus always does is to restore our relationship with the Father. That's what He came to do, to restore us to the Father. And our restoration to the Father, that is the cornerstone. That is the foundation. That is the building block of everything that follows in the kingdom of God. Because closeness with our Father heals everything. Fear, depression, temptation, the Father's love cures everything. It's the only miracle you really need. A couple days ago, my son was having a very hard day fighting with his mom, fighting with his sisters. And by dinner, my wife had had it, so she put him in the timeout spot, which for us is the garage. Don't worry, it's safe, clean, warm in there. Don't worry. No one call any agencies. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so I went out to talk to him, only he turned away from me and he said, go away, I don't like you. And I thought, look, your mother put you out here. I'm the only parent you've got right now. You better be nice. <laughs> And then I sat down and I started rubbing his back and I said, you know what, you feel things very strongly and mostly that's a good thing. But we got to help you get control of your anger because it's making you miserable and it's making us miserable. But Jackson, hear me on this. There is nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. There is nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. And I just said that over and over and over again and pretty soon he calmed down, he turned and he faced me. I didn't get a hug, but he did bump me with his shoulder, which is basically a seven-year-old boy apology. His father's love cured everything. But there's a problem, isn't there? Because we don't always feel God's presence or his love in our lives, do we? I mean, does it ever seem to you that God is giving you the silent treatment, that your prayers just bounce off the ceiling, that he's just kind of nowhere around? Someone sent me a story a couple weeks ago about a couple who got in a fight and ended up giving each other the silent treatment. A few days into it, the man had to catch a, get up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight, but he always slept through his alarm, so he needed his wife's help to wake him up. But he didn't want to break the silence, so he wrote her a note that said, please wake me up at 5 a.m. <laughs> Next morning, he woke up at 9 and had missed his flight. Then he saw a piece of paper by the bed that said, it's 5 a.m., wake up.
I liked it too. Does it ever feel like God is sort of like that to you, that he has just given you the silent treatment? Do you ever hear me or one of the other pastors or a friend talk about experiencing the presence of God and you don't? And then do you wonder, what's wrong with me? Why don't I hear his voice or experience his love? That is a painful question. I know because there have been long seasons where I have not felt God's presence sometimes for years, and it hurts. And you wonder, God, why not me? Am I doing something wrong? Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, there are some things we can do that make it hard for us to connect to God, like not taking time to connect to God. But you know what I think one of our biggest problems is? It is our worldview. Our culture has done a number on us, guys. It has brainwashed us. And we just do not believe it's possible to connect to God in a supernatural way. We just don't think it can happen. That's the religious leader's problem in this story. Their worldview doesn't include a personal, powerful God that intervenes directly in people's lives. And I think it's the same for us. Because you see, ever since the Enlightenment in the 18th century, we have believed that the only way to know if something is real and true is to combine what we perceive with our five senses, with our reason, to deduce what is real, true, and really there. There are just two problems with that idea. First, is our reason really sufficient to understand the complexity of this universe? Really? I mean, I can't figure out how to work my DVD player, let alone my wife, right? I mean, how's this going to work? Right? Do we really think that this is good? How are we going to, our reason is going to get to God, really? The other problem is, how do we know our five senses are sufficient to detect everything else that's out there? For instance, there are species of fish that have no eyes. They can't detect light. doesn't mean that light doesn't exist. It means they don't have the sense organ to see it. How do we know there aren't things out there that we can't detect with our five senses? Now, I'm not saying science and reason are bad. I'm not saying check our brains at the door. I'm saying our enlightenment, rationalist epistemology is not sufficient to figure out all that is out there. To quote Shakespeare, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio, or Bob, or Bill, or whatever your name is. A while back, I was praying with some friends, and after they'd prayed for me a while, I thought, you know, I really should pray for them now. It's their turn. And just then one of them said, don't be thinking that you need to be praying for us right now. God has some more stuff he wants to say to you. And I said, are you reading my mind? And he said, "Mm mm-hmm. So then they prayed some more. And and then I thought, you know, it's getting late and the custodians need to lock up. We should probably stop now. And just then he said, don't worry about the custodians. We can go a little longer. You know what I did with that? I thought, wow, he knows me so well, he even knows what I'm thinking. Right. Verbatim and at the exact moment that I was thinking it. Okay, Occam's razor. What's the simplest explanation for what happened there? The Holy Spirit was speaking to my friend. And here the God of the universe is making it crystal clear that he wants to talk to me and have a relationship with me and I get all post-enlightenment on him, right? And refuse to believe that it's actually God. Come up with every other reason to explain it than God, right? There are things out there like God and the spiritual world that our five senses may not be able to pick up on. Well, then why didn't God give us a sense organ to perceive him? He did. Two of them, called faith and our heart. Our minds are important. They can create an intellectual foundation for our faith. And on Easter, I gave you reasons to believe Jesus really was raised from the dead. Our minds are important, but they are not fully sufficient to experience God. We need faith, which is not just blind belief. It's acting on what we say we believe and seeing that it's true. And we need to open up our hearts to God. 
How do we do that? I've talked about this before, but let me review. How do we open our hearts to God? You've got to set aside time every day to read the Bible because the Bible is the primary way God speaks and to pray. And, and, and instead of just asking for things, try this. Try picture Jesus sitting next to you and just say, Jesus, here's what I'm dealing with today. What do you want to say? And then wait. And then pay attention to the thoughts that come your way. Some of them, maybe most of them, will be your thoughts. But occasionally others' thoughts may happen and they'll happen more quickly and they'll be unlike your thoughts and you'll recognize them as different. Those are probably God speaking to you. You have probably heard Him in the past. You just don't know it. Now, how do I know for sure it's God that just spoke to me? Test it with Scripture. Test it with someone who knows Scripture. When I pray, sometimes I get those thoughts. Sometimes it'll be a picture in my mind and other times, guys, nothing happens. As I've said before, it's not like because I'm a pastor, every time I pray, I glow with a holy aura and levitate off the ground, right? If I did, I'd sell tickets, right? (laughs) Fix the church's budget. (laughs) But he does speak from time to time. And when he does, it is a rush to hear from the God of the universe. And even in those years where I didn't feel his presence, you know what? He had purpose for those years. He was forcing me to develop strong intellectual foundations for my faith. And I am grateful for those periods where I did not experience him. But I also know that God wants to speak to every one of you. He wants to speak to every one of you in some way, somehow, at some time. Because the kingdom of God is about intimacy with our Father. And this is not just for after we die. And this is just not for a couple of few special people. Intimacy with God is for everybody. And just like a muscle that we never use, this may take some time to develop it, but over time we can. So how's it between you and the Father? Do you feel close to him? Do you feel mad at him? Feel like he's mad at you? Maybe not sure he's there? Will you start setting aside some time to connect to him and be persistent? And you know what? If you need help doing that, there are eight pastors on this staff who would love to help you connect with God. Please call us. I mean, believe me, we would way rather do that than sit in another budget meeting or something like that. Honest. And not just pastors, but our department heads, our worship leaders, elders, deacons, maybe people sitting next to you want to help. And this is too important to let go by. Your Father in heaven wants to talk to you. And His love heals everything. It's the only miracle you need. There's a singer, songwriter named Jennifer Jennifer Rothschild, who as a little girl was fascinated by colors. I mean, she'd study even the differences between maroon and burgundy, right? I mean, she, and she wanted to be an artist. But then when she was 12, she began to lose her vision. And things that were easy for other kids to do, like open a locker, she couldn't do. When she was in high school, the doctors told her that she had deteriorating retinas and that she would be blind within a year. So I'll finish the story in her words. This is, how she, this is what she writes. She said, During the car ride home from the doctor, my mind was racing. I thought, I'm not going to be able to drive a car, be an artist. Are boys going to want to date me? When we arrived home, for some reason, I went straight to my old upright piano. I'd taken a few years of lessons and could sight read a little, but I could no longer see the music. Miraculously, however, I began to play by ear for the first time. And the song that filled my living room that day and fills my heart to this day was the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. It was a miracle that on that very dark day, God gave me hope and light through the gift of playing by ear. But the greatest miracle was that because I felt God's love inside me, it really was well with my soul. 
That began a journey that lasted for years of learning the sufficiency of God's love. I'm now a singer, but blindness has remained with me. It's still not well with my circumstances, but over many years, God has made it well with my soul. It hasn't been easy. One of the hardest lessons I've had to learn is that God uses painful things for good. God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. And I know that God's heart is broken when he sees our hearts break. Yet at the same time, and this is why I'm so loyal to him, he trusts me to be a good steward of my pain, which for me has meant a deeper character and a more eternal perspective. If healing were sufficient, God would have healed me. If deliverance were sufficient, God would have delivered me. But he's allowed me to live with blindness, yet live equally in the sufficiency of his grace. It may never be well with our circumstances, but through God's love, it can always be well with our souls. She got a kingdom miracle. Because the kingdom of God is about experiencing our Father's love. And what she discovered is that when you experience his love, it's all you need because his love cures everything. There's a famous picture from the 60s, which, shockingly, I couldn't find anywhere to, to show you, but many of you know it, of John F. Kennedy getting off of a helicopter. And his three-year-old son is running toward him, and Kennedy bends down to pick him up. And, and Kennedy said that when that picture was released, every mother's heart in America melted, and they all became Democrats. <laughs> Only problem was John Jr. was not trying to get to his father. He wanted to get to the helicopter. Right? He could care less about his dad. That's us. The world looks so big, so flashy, whether it's our desires for money or prestige, or our problems, our fears, our grief, our pain. We fixate on those things. But in the person of Jesus, our Father turns towards us, bends down to pick us up and hold us. And when we experience His love, whatever that helicopter is, that problem, that fear, that grief, that issue vanishes in His presence because His love cures everything. His love turns fear into courage. In His love, no temptation holds any power. Guilt cannot survive the force of His love. His love transforms pain into hope. His, in His love, we cannot worry or feel insecure. His love is the universal donor. It cures everything. In the words of one of my favorite hymns, I fear no foe with you at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death sting? Where grave your victory? I triumph still if you abide with me. So, Father, please abide with us because only your grace, only your love can heal us. And we know that your love heals everything. So, Jesus, would you connect us to the heart of the Father this week? Help us to experience his love in our minds and in our hearts so that we can be free. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.